0: Welcome to the Radio Plasma podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. I'm Johan Rashid Vega, and today we have a vantage point to talk about education, to talk about innovation, to talk about pathways. Today we're gonna talk about Lighthouse. Lighthouse Holyoke, a very special place for teens, for education, for innovation, for fun and learning. To have this conversation, I want to welcome someone who has been in this very same space since it was just an empty office, not the studio that it is today. Josiah Elitan, co-director and co-founder of Lighthouse Holyoke. Hi Josiah, welcome.
1: Hi, Johan. Thanks
0: for having me. Lighthouse, it is a beacon of light. It represents that you arrived to the place to save land, to opportunities. And I believe that's a great way to represent what this school is. And it's been a fabulous story of growing up, connecting, but most important, giving youth in the community opportunities to self-discover. Tell us a little bit about, what is Lighthouse?
1: Lighthouse is so many things, uh, but at its core is the belief that we are all natural learners and we all have things we are passionate about and want to succeed in in the world. What is central to that is making sure that, that young people, especially, have an environment that they can thrive in and do those things. So Lighthouse is a school on Race Street that opened in the fall of 2015, focused on personalized education for teens 13 to 18 years old. Our focus is on each of our students discovering who they are, who they want to be in the world, and how to get there. So the education program we have is completely personalized, uh, because we believe that that is the future of education, personalized education that caters to who each person is and who they can be in part of a community. So we're a small community. We have 45 students. We're full now at 45. And that's our cap. We're intentionally gonna be at 45 because a core part of our approach is a small community where all the teens know each other, all the staff know all the kids and back and forth. That's really important to building relationships. It's we're so fortunate to be able to be doing what we're doing here in Holyoke with some pretty amazing youth and families who we've come to know over the last several years. We've been doing this. And what really makes Lighthouse work uh, is the advisor-student relationship. So every teen has an advisor, one of us on staff. Uh, Sort of like a college model in some ways, except for middle and high schoolers. So the idea is that each teen really negotiates what their academic program, what their whole program is going to look like with their advisor. And that's different for everybody. They all come in at different points. They're all heading off to different points. So we keep the world of possibility open for all of them. So they can all go on to be artists or entrepreneurs or college graduates or doctors or whatever it is they want, but it's a process of discovery and the opportunities are really open to how you get there. So we can get into more details, but teens participate in everything from classes to one-on-one tutorials with volunteers, college students, staff, teachers, uh, independent studies, internships. We have a student right now who's doing an internship at Lorraine's Kitchen uh, in Chicopee. We had a student last year who was an intern for Mayor Morse here in Holyoke. Dual enrollment in college classes. Really, the the world is full of possibilities. And now, especially living in the year that we live in, so much is accessible, right? So they're not just limited to what's in Lighthouse. We're purposely located right downtown because there's so many great partners, just like Gandara here, and we taught a class together uh, last year, Johan, you and I. So we have a lot of classes downtown, programs students can work with, but the world is online. So there's endless numbers of classes. You want to learn anything, you can find it on YouTube. I had to repair something in my car the other day. I found out how to do it on YouTube, and I thought, you know, what an amazing time this is, particularly for young people, to be able to access the world at your fingertips. Uh, so we're really trying to take advantage of all that and to help teens discover to learn how to learn. So our focus is more on passion for learning and taking whatever it is you're excited about, which will grow and change over time if we're doing our jobs right, introducing new ideas, but helping young people learn how to learn in a world that everything is constantly changing. Right? So if I sit down and I say, here's the curriculum, you have to learn this thing, Ten years from now, that student's going to have a job about something that they never learned in school. So our view is that it's essential to learn how the process of inquiry. How do I learn? How do I take a question and find an answer uh, and build all the skills that I need in that in getting there? Teamwork, creative thinking, problem solving, self advocacy, how to articulate and defend my opinion. Those are critical skills in our world today. That that's really a cornerstone of our of our approach and what we do.
0: How this structure of having personalized education for teams came up?
1: Right. Great question. <laughs> so it's it's kind of amazing now in our second year of being open and the third year that Catherine Gabron, my co-director, and I have been working on this project. It's kind of amazing to look backwards. And I think probably there's plenty of other entrepreneurs who listen to your podcast who will relate to this of... I think uh, for me, particularly as a first-time entrepreneur, not knowing what was ahead of me and that being naive to that is probably a really essential quality uh, to not knowing what you're about to get into. So that's sort of how it evolved. It was pretty organic. So um, Lighthouse was modeled after and inspired by a program called North Star, Self-Directed Learning for Teens. And they were in Hadley. They're now in Sunderland, Massachusetts. So I was on the board for two years of North Star. And at the same time, I was working at Hampshire College, uh, where I worked for 10 years in the Dean of Students office. And I met Catherine, my co-director now, because she was a program director at North Star. So I was on the board. We met, enjoyed working together. And then I left Hampshire to pursue some new opportunities. I was doing some organizational consulting and trying to decide what it was that I wanted to do next. Uh, and I knew it would be in education. That's my life's passion, working with young people, particularly in progressive, holistic models of education. So really thinking about the next step for education. What does education of the future look like? And one day, Catherine had heard that I was thinking about all this and approached me with this idea that she'd always wanted to start another center modeled after North Star, uh, and particularly in the Holyoke area. So North Star is part of an umbrella program called Liberated Learners. Uh, North Star is the flagship. They were the, the first... The first place created 21 years ago, Northstar was, was started. Uh, and a handful of years ago, they started this umbrella program with the goal of replicating what they were doing at other centers. Part of what I love about the model is all the centers modeled after Northstar are independent. So we're not a franchise. We're not part of a chain. We take the core idea and philosophy, and then each center figures out how that works best in their community, which is the only way that it would work. So we were the 10th center in North America based on this model. What brought us to Holyoke? So when Catherine started talking with me about the idea, what our conversation really looked like was a, a really strong belief we both had that teens and families everywhere in every community should have great educational options. Uh, and I'm a pretty strong believer in that idea of options. One size does not fit all. When I go to buy uh, you know, a shirt at Old Navy, they don't just have the one-size-fits-all on the rack, and I put on the same shirt that you put on that the six-foot-tall person next to me puts on. I'm five-foot-seven for people who can't see me, so I can't wear a six-foot-tall shirt. Um, So if we don't do that with clothing, we don't do that with a lot of things, um, education should be the same way. One-size-does-not-fit-all. So that was one of the ideas, is that this model should be available everywhere. If you look around our country right now, typically educational alternatives Really great educational alternatives tend to serve people who can pay for them and tend to be available in areas with lots of resources. Not entirely, but quite usually. So, as we looked around our own valley, there's this, uh, as they call it, below the tofu curtain, which I believe I've actually heard on the podcast before as well. So, it's sort of you know, this dividing line in, in the northern and southern part of the valley. And so, if you look up in Amherst, Northampton area, right there's uh, there's certainly a lot of resources. There's a lot of alternatives around education, around a lot of things. Um, there's plenty of wealth. Well, there's wealth everywhere, but there's a concentration of it there. So we got to talking about that this kind of alternative option should not be an elite educational option. Should be accessible and available everywhere. Uh, the North Star model had not been implemented yet anywhere else. That was a combination of a, an urban or downtown setting, working in an area that has higher numbers of low-income families um, and serving at least 50%, if not more, youth of color, potentially uh, multilingual families. Um, and those were So those are all very attractive to us in saying, we know that this model works. We've seen it work. We want to bring it to to Holyoke. And, of course, at the time, this was prior to receivership here in holyoke just right before so there are a lot of people looking at education in holyoke it was a discussion here across the city at the time and so that seemed like an opportunity to us as well so that that's what got us started now the next part of our conversation was so how do we do this and before we could even start to answer that question what we really had to figure out was should we do this so neither of us is from holyoke neither of us lived here catherine lives here now uh, but neither of us lived here at the time. Neither of us worked here. And we're, so we were two white people from outside of Holyoke. And we all know about this thing that happens, particularly where white people from outside come in and say, I'm going to be the savior. Here's what you need. Let me start this program. So we were trying to figure out what is what is the best way to even approach this project? Is this feasible? Should we even do this? So naturally, the next step was to start talking to everyone we could talk to in the city. And asking questions. So that was really our approach for our first three months was we started with the three people we knew who were, were here in Holyoke. Actually, our current board chair, Diana Sutton Fernandez, lives in Holyoke and was a friend of mine and a colleague at Hampshire. Um, and she was one of the first people we met with. And said, the questions we asked everybody were we sort of explained what we were thinking about and said, What do you think? Does it make sense? Would people want to see this in Holyoke? What critiques do you have? What changes would you make? What would you do differently? Would you be willing to be part of it? And who should we talk to next? So from there, in the planning year, we ended up meeting with about 350 individual people, meeting after meeting. We did some together. We did some apart. It was was a significant amount of meetings. It was the only way I can imagine doing it. And so after a couple months, it was very clear to us that that we should move forward and that there was uh, definitely interest and support and great feedback. So the way our program has come to be shaped really was and continues to be with and for our community here in Holyoke. So not saying, here's our vision, do you like it or not? If you don't like it, we were too bad. So our program is unique. It is really shaped with the community here. Um, and we're so grateful that a lot of those people that we met became board members, teachers, volunteers, parents of current students, referrals to students who might want to find us. So that was our, our initial approach Uh, That was in the fall of 2014, Uh, and then we decided to open in September 2015, and it's a whirlwind from there. We have a beautiful space in the STEAM building down across the canal from the Computing Center, 208 Race Street. Uh, We were very fortunate to get a generous donor to pay for the build-out of our space. Um, We have, You know, you've been to our space. Um, Anyone is always welcome to come visit. Um, We love having visitors, and we have a beautiful space because we also believe that Having a space that feels warm and inspiring and welcoming is important for both students and families and staff to feel important, to feel valued, and to be in a space that inspires you Mm -hmm. to do what you want to do. Uh, So we opened in the fall of 2015, and that was almost two years ago now.
0: Two years already. It's really impressive to see how fast the time moves on, but you can also see how much lighthouse has accomplished ever since because it is undeniable that everybody in the city has heard about lighthouse at least if they don't know about all the beautiful things happening at lighthouse every day they at least have heard the name and they know it exists and that is important that is relevant that means how much people are talking about and they are looking up to what lighthouse has accomplished and with this comes the question, especially for the ones interested on getting an education for their children, their friends, their relatives, or themselves. How do you get admitted in Lighthouse?
1: So, as I mentioned earlier, we are. this is the first time we've been full. So, our, we set our cap at 45. Uh, we opened with about 19 students last year and have been growing ever since. So... It's a question that is ever-changing now as we approach what it's like to have a waiting list and what that, what that means. Well, the first answer is reach out to us, come visit. That's the first step for anybody who's interested. Check out our website, lighthouseholyoak.org. You can contact us through the website, set up a time to visit, or just come on up and set up an appointment. Um, really the first step for anyone is us making sure mutually that it's, it's the right fit. So we talked a little bit earlier about options and teens and families having options. So along with my and Catherine and their whole staff's belief that one size does not fit all, of course, I think what we're doing at Lighthouse is fantastic. That doesn't mean that it's what everybody's looking for. So in our program, pretty much anything is possible. And there is a certain level of autonomy that a student has and flexibility that we have. And the student needs to be wanting that and, and ready for that. doesn't mean that they have to walk in on day one and say, here's everything I want to do. They can walk in and say, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I want to be here. That's, that's sufficient. So we invite them to come in to meet with me or Catherine for an hour. And then like everything else we do, the process is personalized. It depends on the person. So I've had some students who will come back with their family two or three times for meetings as they're thinking about it. We invite them to come in shadow for a day, spend a day. You know, I can sell anything I want, but you're going to get the real answer by having an authentic experience actually talking to other students and families. Um, And then we do have an application on our website that people fill out. And what we look for is interest and learning about who the person is. So we're not making admissions decisions based on previous grades, based on previous behavioral or academic performance in school. We're really looking at the whole person and seeing is this the right fit for them. So what are we hearing from the student and parent about where they're coming from, why they're now coming to Lighthouse in terms of were they coming from public high school Were they coming, had they dropped out? Were they in charter school, homeschooling? And starting to figure out what they're passionate about, talk with them about what might be possible at Lighthouse, and see how they feel. So it's sort of, it's a mutual process that we do together. Um, At this point, we do have a waiting list that we've just started for the fall. So people are applying already for the fall. So my other advice is if people are interested, you know, we look at a lot of things in admission, but number one is first come, first serve, is our approach and then having, having the space. So I don't know how many spots we'll have for the fall yet, but there will be spots. And so that, that really is our process, and people are welcome to, to come and chat with us now. Uh, I had a family who had a, a child who was nine years old who have already approached me for three and a half years down the, down the road. You know, and then we had a family who came with their 18-year-old this year and said, they have one year left, I want them to come here. We, you know Anything and everything and in between. Uh, one thing that we're really proud about uh, and that's really central to who we are at Lighthouse is that we serve teens and families from all over the Valley. So we're really focused where Holyoke is our home. We built our program with and for and around Holyoke and our community partners and friends in Holyoke. But part of our vision is also, this is such a great community. There's such amazing people doing incredible work here, terrific resources. And I really think Holyoke is the, the unseen gem of the Valley, although that's starting to change with all the stuff happening, but much of which has been on on the podcast. So we're really happy about serving the local community and bringing people from outside into Holyoke. So 50% of our students this year are from Holyoke, and the other 50% are from other cities and towns. Uh, We actually have 13 different cities and towns represented right now. So I've got some students from as far north as Shootsbury, South Deerfield. Uh, We have kids from Springfield, West Springfield, Southwick, uh, Ludlow, you name it. And that, that idea of diversity, when we talk about diversity at Lighthouse, sometimes people use diversity as a code word for race, which racial diversity is critical. And diversity encompasses even more than that. So we care at Lighthouse about diversity in all ways. So making sure that our students and our staff and our board, everyone who's involved with the organization represents a wide array of diversity, certainly in terms of race and ethnicity, uh, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, what towns they're from, the ages. Like I said, we have 13 to 18-year-olds. And they're all mixed up. It's, it's intergenerational, if you will. So we don't divide them up, as you know, in our classes. It really creates this space with lots of different people from lots of different identities and backgrounds coming together, which is a tremendous opportunity. And it can be challenging, right? Having lots of people from lots of different places, lots of different ideas can be challenging. We think the benefit is tremendous. So, we are open to anyone from anywhere as long as they can get here, coming and reaching out to us and meeting with us.
0: There is no irrelevance regarding grades because the system works not about the usual measuring of testing for a certain level of knowledge, at least the way that the way has been traditionally implemented. This is about exploring, this is about the self discovery process and you have a focus on four main branches which are the entrepreneurship the technology the arts and the college prep
1: right right so i'm not going to get on my soapbox but here's what i'm going to say i am a, a lifelong adi- uh, advocate of education and i'm a firm believer in the promise and potential of quality free public education so you know people asked us a lot when we were starting up what our opinion was on receivership talk about a hot button issue um and, you know, my opinion I think is probably that of everybody else, no matter what side they fell on the issue, which is that I believe Holyoke should have great public schools for, for kids. Again, whatever side of the issue you're on, I think everybody can probably agree that Holyoke and Holyoke residents deserve great public schools. When we get back to thinking about options and having lots of different pathways, right, traditionally our school model, that one-size-fits-all approach, it's a factory model of education. It's been around for over 100 years, and the idea was you can serve a lot of kids all at once by teaching them the pre-approved curriculum and getting them through the system. In a culture post-industrial, you know, industrial and then post-industrial culture here in the U.S., that is a factory model, that is making workers for factories, et cetera. So the core of how our education system was founded is not about anything personalized. Now, schools are doing a lot of great work to try to bring in more of the arts, even as funding gets cut, to try to make it more personalized, even as they have common core and state testing requirements. But I have so much admiration for teachers and administrators in that system because you're trying to do all this against the tide, against more testing and more focus on that. What I see every day when I talk to teens coming in and families to meet with us, prospective families, is the stress that kids are under In public schools never mind teachers it's tremendous it's tremendous because the focus has to be on MCAS scores it has to be on proficiency it has to be on completion of the check boxes for better or for worse so for us at lighthouse what we try to do is push all that aside and say what we're going to focus on is learning we're going to focus on learning humans are natural learners i have uh, i have two kids and my one-year-old is learning to talk I didn't sit her down at a desk and teach her, now say this word, now write it down, now learn it. She's naturally learning. We naturally learn how to walk. We learn how to do all these things naturally. Inquiry is a natural human process. So I see our work as how do we foster that? And how do we introduce new ideas? How do we expose students to new experiences they may not have had or new ideas? But really, what we're doing is not putting the knowledge in their head, but fostering their passion for finding it. So you're right, so we don't focus on grades and tests. So at Lighthouse, all learning is evaluated in a narrative format, and what I mean by that is students receive constant feedback from teachers and tutors throughout their learning activities, written feedback, oral feedback, that's all individualized. And then at the end of each class or learning activity, they get a written evaluation. And so what I love about the written evaluation is if Johan is in my class and you write a paper and I give you a B, There there you go. That's your grade. you got to be. You know, there will be comments throughout the paper, certainly, but it's a measure as opposed to a longer narrative feedback throughout the class that says, here's all the things Johan's doing really well. Here's where he's grown. Here's his growth over the course of our class. And here's the things that he's working on. Here are the next steps for him, the next place to go. So if you got that, you know, that A plus compared to a narrative evaluation, that's, you know, there's always more. There's always more to do. So you never have that A-plus because it doesn't exist. It's helping you to reflect on strengths, growth areas, where to go next. And it takes away a lot of that pressure. So imagine school, but we take away that pressure. We take away the testing. So instead of testing, you're doing project-based work. Instead of grades, you're getting written evaluations. So now we're really able to start focusing on the learning as opposed to having all that worry about all those other things.
0: This is important that you're mentioning in this way because it's showing how it's effective, it's working, it's creating students with a wide perspective of what their future, what their potential is. And they keep that inspiration and that motivation to keep learning because it is not about a grade, it is about the knowledge they are acquiring by working in this system. This is possibly one question that many parents could have how this is recognized for Lighthouse to be acknowledged as an institution of education. Right.
1: So, legally, the way that it works is that we register all of our students as homeschoolers even though they are not at home going to school they are at Lighthouse every day. So, um, the way that 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 works is that that keeps them, they're enrolled and they can get a diploma which I'll talk about in a second. So, when a student comes to Lighthouse and they decide that that's where they want to go, we work with the family to write their homeschooling plan. So legally, under homeschooling law, parents are responsible or guardians are responsible for submitting a plan to the super, their superintendent's office that says, we're going to homeschool our child, and here's what they're going to be doing. So we write that with the families, uh, and then they submit it, and it gets approved. Sometimes the school districts have some additional paperwork, which we help out with, and then their kid is a homeschooler. Just because they're under homeschooling law doesn't mean they actually stay at home and the parent needs to homeschool them. So, in fact, in the letter, it always says, my student will be a homeschooler attending Lighthouse Holyoke full time. Um, What it does is it gives us a tremendous amount of flexibility. So under homeschooling law, they are required to complete learning activities in the core areas, English, math, social studies, science, extracurricular activities, as they might be called, arts, But what it is, there is no core curriculum requirement. They must take this English or this math. No. So it gives us a lot of flexibility with each student to build a completely personalized curriculum. And then at the end of the year, we submit a report to the families that they pass on to their superintendent that says, here's what the child actually did this year. So they are enrolled students, but as homeschoolers. And upon completion of their program, they are eligible for... Well, they can do two things. One is they're eligible for a homeschool diploma. So if you think about, for example, going to college, if you're applying to college, uh, they look for one of three things. A high school diploma, a GED, HiSET pass, or a homeschool diploma. They're all valued the same in terms of having that requirement met to go through to college. So you get a homeschool diploma at the completion of your homeschool studies. Our students also could take the HiSET exam if they wanted to. Um, We have not had anyone yet. We've had a few who studied for it. Um, because they felt like that was important to them, to have that. Even though those three things are equal, for whatever reason, if someone feels like it will help them or they feel extra, like they have validity by having that, they absolutely can. And again, that's part of that individualized piece. So so that's how legally that they are considered enrolled students. And at the same time, we maintain all this great flexibility.
0: You are creating Lighthouse as that beacon of light But it is all the land around the whole campus for them.
1: And, you know, this idea of the lighthouse and why we picked that image and what I love about it is, you know, you are still I'm going to get a little tacky with my metaphor here, but like you are still the captain of your own ship. Right. So the lighthouse is there. It's a beacon of light. It keeps you from hitting, crashing into the rock, into the, you know, land. But you're still steering the ship. So, and that really, though it's a little cheesy, that really is our vision, that each student is in charge of their own education with guidance, with support, with direction, with whatever it is that they need, but they are still the ones in the driver's seat.
0: What can you tell us about the interaction that you have had with different institutions, (coughs) organizations, business, entrepreneurs, community? Because this is huge and meaningful and worth of recognition.
1: Thank you, thank you. And um, you know, uh, for us, I think as, as we moved forward with the planning process, like I was telling you about earlier, we felt really strongly that we needed to get the community into Lighthouse as much as possible, and also make sure that we got Lighthouse students and staff out into the community as much as possible. So we do that in a couple of different ways. So one, and one thing that we were just so excited about and continue to be grateful for, is our model of how our classes are structured. So our classes at Lighthouse, again, are somewhat more like college with mini semesters than they are like traditional high school classes. So classes meet for seven or eight weeks at a time, and they meet twice a week for an hour and a half. Well, you know, you've you Johan and I taught a class together, and you've taught uh, a podcasting class as well. And so... I might have Johan's class Monday and Wednesday from 9 to 10.30 for eight weeks. What that allows us to do is to invite a number of partners from across the community to come and teach with us who wouldn't otherwise be available to do it. These are people who have full-time jobs doing their own work or at other organizations or wherever. Some people stay with us for, we call them blocks, eight-week blocks. Some people stay with us for multiple blocks. Some are just one time. Yeah, you know, we have an artist, a professional mosaic artist, teaching a mosaics class right now. You did your class. We had, um, we have a, a class happening up with Colby up at the YMCA doing the bikes, which was on the program a few weeks ago. You know, we have community volunteers coming in. So there's a lot of flexibility with our schedule. What that allows us to do is bring in folks who are teaching about things they do out in the world for these short-term courses. You ask about entrepreneurs, for example, We had a great class last year, Introduction to Entrepreneurship, with three local entrepreneurs who co-taught the class together. So these are are busy guys doing a lot of stuff, and they took turns teaching the class over the course of eight weeks. So it opens up a lot of possibilities in that sense. Uh, We also have work-study relationships with a number of the colleges. So we have college students coming in who are mentors and tutors for our students, and a number of volunteers who come in as well. Uh, and so, you know, it was really important to us to hire from within the area, from our local neighborhood right here in South Holyoke, Holyoke as a whole, and beyond. So, we have folks like Carlos Peña, who lives right down the street and is doing amazing stuff over his clothing company, and he's been teaching with us for two years. We have just so many people from all over coming in. That's really important to us, also, in terms of making sure that our staff is diverse, that we have people from lots of different walks of life, different identities, different experiences, different ages, um, to expose the kids to who are talking about stuff they're doing out in the world. And then the other way is that every Friday at Lighthouse is a community engagement day. So all the classes, the tutorials, internships, that all happens Monday to Thursday. Every Friday, we have a day where we are out in the community doing some sort of engagement. So sometimes, quite often, that's volunteer work. Um, In fact, the student I mentioned who's doing the internship at Lorraine's started because we went up and we spent a Friday there helping out. Uh, And he got really intrigued and wanted to spend more time there. And we've actually been up there a couple times. Part of our community engagement vision is also to have recurring partnerships, not this idea of one-time service where you go for an hour and you feel good about yourself, but you maybe haven't actually done that much to help the organization. Um, we went to the senior center a number of times to help senior citizens with technology. And that actually led to a class that I taught, a whole block-long class with eight seniors and six Lighthouse students, where the Lighthouse students were teaching the seniors how to use technology. That came out of that Friday collaboration. So we do lots of different things on Fridays. We worked a lot on Susie Park, a little park over by the racing bar here on Main Street. The teens were really interested in trying to advocate for uh, the improvement to that park. They put together a petition. They went around and met with folks in the neighborhood, knocked on doors, um, talked to the neighbors about what they'd like to see, met with City Hall. So it it all evolves. So I guess that's my point, is that all of these community opportunities keep evolving, but they're a great way to get involved uh, with community partners, to build pride in our community, to really get involved in Holyoke. Sometimes we do field trips as well, so local and beyond. It's just another way to you know, that that experiential learning is huge that happens. Embedding this idea of giving back to your community, and that's important and valuable. And these aren't people we show up and work with once and feel good, and we do, hopefully, but then we go back, we actually build relationships, and then the teens get to see how that evolves into new opportunities as well.
0: So what are right now the challenges or the needs Lighthouse has after two years of operations?
1: That's a great question. What are the challenges and needs? So I guess, you know, I I think of them as opportunities. The challenge is we're a startup organization. So, you know, I think of what we do in multiple ways. On one hand, it's an educational organization. It's a school. That's how we think of ourselves. It's also a business. It's a nonprofit, but a business nonetheless. So for myself and Catherine as first-time entrepreneurs, thank goodness for so many people who are willing to help and advise us who knew a heck of a lot more than we did about startups. But we're doing pretty well for a startup. I will say that pretty well. But there's, you know, we're all wearing 16 hats and working six full-time jobs. And some of that, of course, is inherent to any nonprofit organization. So maybe we'll move from 16 hats down to 14 hats at some point. So, you know, continuing to uh, work out the kinks to figure out organizational things, what what makes sense in terms of who's doing what, how do we best continue to work with our teens and our families. So, you know, we're always thinking about that. Uh, Of course, like any nonprofit, funding is something that we think about often. We are completely independent, so we're not grant funded. We're all funded through two sources. One is tuition and one is private philanthropy, people donating. So Lighthouse is a tuition-based school. Every family pays for their student to come, and we have financial aid available to help make it accessible. Uh, Like I said earlier, that was critical for us. We didn't build this great space in downtown Holyoke in this building so that only elite families who could pay lots of money could come. So we're really proud to serve a wide array of economic uh, backgrounds. 89% of our students have financial aid to attend. This year we gave out $200,000 in financial aid. Uh, to help folks be able to afford to come to Lighthouse. Um, So what that means, the reality of that, and that is so important, and the reality of that is it means we need to fundraise to meet the rest of our budget. And so that's something that we're always thinking about. We're really proud that now, going into our, ending our second year, we've met our budget both years, and we've had terrific community support far and wide, uh, financially in terms of, and all those other things I discussed, so much support, and continuing to think about How do we continue to make sure that Lighthouse stays not just meeting its budget, but operational, that it can grow, that it can even be better than it is now five years from now, ten years from now, and at the same time maintain and ensure that accessibility is one of our number one priorities.
0: With that, also, you cover one important aspect that I wanted to talk about, about the tuition and the financial aid. Because, of course, for many families, that is the number one concern and worry when it comes about education how do we make this happen when there are so many difficulties and sometimes it is hard to navigate the system in order to get that help and assistance for acquiring a, an education so even that it is an aspect that you are working with a community that you thought about and it shows how much of planification and dedication you had for this idea for this beautiful project that is giving so much to the community right now and I believe it's also an inspiration and possibly a powerful shift for the whole educational system in the city of Holyoke to follow and emulate in some ways and I believe it's happening in certain level with the Holyoke public school system, right?
1: So here's the interesting thing. Coming in at the moment of receivership, which I mentioned a little bit before, is a really interesting moment to be working on this project. So, you know, when Catherine and I started, we met with the previous superintendent, um, and that was just around the year that there was the, the shift to receivership. So the silver lining to receivership for me is you had an entire city talking about education. So as a, as a lifelong educational advocate, it's not often that, say, the whole country is excited about education. Uh, you might have people watching the Betsy DeVos hearings and having some thoughts on that. You might have people having commentary on various laws passed. But how often do you hear, you know, oh, the Secretary of Education did this today or this? It's not something people are excited about talking about all the time on a large scale. So here, to have everyone in the city talking about education and having their own opinion and ideas and a a citywide conversation about what do we want education for our kids to look like, what kind of opportunities do we want for our kids. That was a great opportunity for us to be able to be part of a much larger conversation. So obviously that has been happening at many levels across the city from Dr. Zreich on down in his administration, from all the amazing Um, parent and community partners who have been contributing to these conversations, pushing back, partnering up. Um, So we have been and want to continue to be a piece of that. Again, supporting further great options for kids in Holyoke. So whether it's the charter school, the public school, lighthouse, homeschooling, they should have all of that on the table. I think what receivership does, and we're already seeing in Holyoke, is in some ways the all of the situation that leads to it that nobody is excited and happy about leads to innovation. It leads to an opportunity to say, let's really relook at this in some really creative ways because we have to, because the state has taken over and we sort of have this ultimatum, but there's also some freedom that comes with that, right? And so I'm no expert on how it all works in receivership, but I think we can all see, even from the, the new plans that are being released for sort of rethinking the high school, rethinking schooling at Holyoke, that there's a lot of opportunity. For the state saying to the receiver and his team and the community, let's really rethink this. What will really work in this community? That's really actually exciting to me. Uh, I think it presents an opportunity that is pretty hard to come by otherwise. So I think as we're asking those questions about how people learn best, we know that not everyone learns best one way. And so I think you see right now Dr. Zreich and his team really thinking about how do we accommodate that? How do we do that the best in Holyoke? So how are we doing that for the students who are at Holyoke High? How are we creating a great tech school option for Dean and really making sure that that is a top class program? What are other options? What are other pathways that we want to have and partner with so that there are multiple options on the table for our young people? I think that that receivership could lead to innovation is a silver lining.
0: Jose, anything else that you would like to add
1: there's always more that I'd like to add. You know, I I think what has really blown me out of the water about doing this work and it's it's not surprising, it shouldn't be surprising, but our teens are pretty inspiring and pretty amazing and this and and I feel like there's so many stereotypes being broken every day, right? So like I said, we have a real mix of kids and where they're coming from and what their experiences are. So to see students who may have failed in high school by all traditional measures because of debilitating anxiety, right? To see kids who might have been bored and wanting to pursue their passions or the arts or do harder work than what's happening in their class and move faster one-on-one, have that opportunity. Uh, We have some kids who were homeschooled, who were looking to build more community and wanted to come to Lighthouse. So, what I love about the model is that it works not just for any one type of person. People often ask me, well, who is it for? Is it, is it a gifted program? Is it a remedial program? It's, no, it's none of those things. It's an individualized program. It's for people, for people who want to learn in a small community about things that they are passionate about. And if they don't know what that is, who want to say, I want to find something to be passionate about. And it's working well thanks to our amazing community here in Holyoke and all, it, you know, it takes more than, yeah, Catherine and I are the co-directors and co-founders, so that means we get to balance the books and we get to do all that administrative stuff. And the truth is the heart of what we're doing at Lighthouse comes from the 50, 100, 150 people who are getting involved every day, whether it's just a one-time meeting um, or they're teaching a class or they're there volunteering all the time. It's, it's kind of cliche, but it really does take a village. And even with a program as small as ours, we're seeing the power of that village to really hold up our students and celebrate what they're doing. We're going to be having our first graduation coming up in June, and we have eight students graduating this year, and a number of them are going on to college. Um, We have a student who got accepted with a full scholarship to Hampshire College, uh, the American uh, Music and Drama Academy, Westfield, uh, you name it, a lot of acceptances. Students who are going on to thinking about jobs, and that they can see possibility. And that is inspiring to me, and we feel fortunate just to get to be a part of that uh, with them and their families.
0: This is a beautiful story of success, and it still continues. This is just the first chapter written in two years of existence. The Lighthouse is brighting, providing options and inspiration for youth and the community in general. And I want to thank Josiah and Catherine for taking upon yourselves this beautiful project and making it work and wishing for you to keep being that successful.
1: Thanks, Johan.
0: Well, this is Josiah Lutend from Lighthouse Holyoke, our neighbors here in Ray Street. And you can always check out the beautiful facilities they have on 208 Ray Street. And also, you can check their website, lighthouseholyoke.org. And this is the Radio Plasma Podcast. This episode was produced at the Plasma Media Lab here at the Gandhara Jew Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Vega. Thank you for listening.